are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Park the sound at your favorite Tar Heel voice. Welcome to Locked On Tar Heels. As always, it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. I'm your host, Candace Cooper. Thank you so much for joining me today. Do yourself a favor and make sure you download, subscribe to Locked On Tar Heels podcast from anywhere. You can also join the fun via Twitter by following at Locked On Heels or me personally at Candace D. Cooper. So here's what I have on tap for you guys today. We've got Maui Invite Night 3 recap, UNC versus Texas. It was a heartbreaker, but nonetheless, we got to talk about it. We're going to give some takeaways as well as we figure out just where the team can go from here. Because, you know, that ACC Big, Cha- Big Ten Challenge is right around the corner, and they have no time to rest. No rest for the weary indeed. Mac Brown's midweek presser breakdown as Carolina gears up for Western Carolina. More importantly, it's senior night. So reflecting on some of the seniors who have done big things, we'll talk about all of that today. So let's jump right into it. Happy Thursday. Hope you guys are having a great week so far. You are over the hump. We are almost to the weekend, which means you're one day closer to freedom. If you work that nine to five schedule still, if you're loving life and working from home on your own hours, hey, blessings to you as well. All right. So if you had all your meetings done, and I'm sure by four o'clock you were sitting up on that TV, turning on ESPN, gearing up for another Carolina basketball game, we had a UNC First, Texas. So let me get you up to speed. Among the teams that have played UNC 10 or more times, Texas has the highest winning percentage against Carolina. The Longhorns have won the last four games against UNC and seven of the eight against UNC under Roy Williams. The last three games have been decided by a total of eight points, three, two, and three points. Okay. Carolina's last win over Texas came in 2011. Now, the Maui Invitational Finals has been one that, again, a tournament is great right now. I'm excited to see some basketball. I think it was a mini bubble. Hell, I think they should have invitationals all year. Just keep everybody in a nice, confined space. You can control a little bit better than having guys travel here to and far. But, you know, I'm just giving my three cents. We'll see how that goes. So finals happened, UNC versus Texas. Bill Walton was on the call. So, of course, I listened to the radio via Go Heels TV. Highly recommend that, y'all. Like, if you want some quality play-by-play where you don't have to hear about 10 stories about somebody's family, somebody's daddy who left them, somebody's mama who was on crack. If you just want to hear good play-by-play, call it how you see it, that is the way to go. I always got to give nice love to the radio side. There's a little delay. So if you're trying to watch TV and radio at the same time, TV is a little delayed. I don't know for you guys. I use Hulu Live TV to watch most of my games, but there that delay is annoying. So If you have any kind of nerves, your nerves get bad or you can't handle good or bad possessions, I don't suggest listening to Jones Angel because he gets you so hyped, right? He talks about the dunks, the layups, the putbacks, all all the drives. He just, he makes your heart rate nervous. So if you can't take not knowing what happens, you know, in the moment as he's talking, I don't, I don't suggest it because you are going to have a heart attack. And, you know, Carolina, as, as we're seeing, is going to give you a heart attack this season. So there you go. But what would a win have meant for Carolina? It would have given them its first regular season tournament title since their Maui invite last in 2016-2017. It would have been Carolina's fifth title in quote-unquote Maui, as we all know they were in Asheville. 
Now, Carolina defeated UNLV and Stanford to get to these finals. As we know, the UNLV game started out slow, but then got exponentially better. Then the Stanford game was the first battle test they experienced. So, of course, going into Texas, you're like, all right, they're a little beat up. But, hey, they know how to come back and fight. Now, the Longhorns knocked off Davison pretty handily. And then even more so with Indiana winning by 22 points to advance to the final. So they were feeling themselves as well. It wasn't pretty. They don't always do right there. Still a team trying to find their wings, but they came in with some senior leadership, which is what Carolina from all cylinders still needs. I think, you know, Garrison does a good job, but not, it wasn't the same on the floor and it was pretty evident and obvious. Now from a leaderboard standpoint, let's talk about the game. It started out pretty evenly matched. Nobody could score a bucket. To be honest, it gave me very much UVA vibes. I was like, okay, are we trying to keep it low scoring? Seven to eight, like nine to nine, nine to 11. Like what are we doing here? Okay. <laughs> then Texas went on a run that was honestly for the hills and just started draining threes. At one point they tied the amount of threes in the first 12 minutes of the game. Then they had, then they had for the entire game versus Indiana which they won by 22 points, right? So they were just shooting it lights out. And you're just like, okay, if there's ever a time to turn it on, let's do it against the heels, of course. Because of course, right? Firing from all cylinders, their guards were giving us the works between Kai Jones and Matt Coleman the third. Our young core proved themselves youthful throughout the night, got balls taken away and stripped. I think Texas finished with, yep, 10 steals, right? So it was just one of those things, picking pockets, capitalizing off turnovers, that's just something that we are going to have to put in our mental that we have to get over. But Carolina came back into the game in the second half and slowly chipped away at the big Texas lead, which, again, I didn't expect that happening. I had prepped my spirit for a blowout. I don't know about y'all, but when you saw 40-28 to 28 going into the half, I, I just want to know what you think, right? At Candace D. Cooper, at Locked On Heels, let me know. I would love to. I would love to know what you guys thought about <laughs> Carolina as they headed in. You're like, what did you feel like, you know, okay, here we go again. This is the Carolina we knew they would be like they were getting exposed. They they got by UNLV. They squeaked by Stanford. They got lucky and now here it's proven against a good team. Carolina can't handle it. Like did you feel that vibe or was it just was it just me? I, I mean I'll own that. I definitely felt like all S H I T. Here we go. This is just what we're used to seeing. But Hey, prove me wrong, and that's exactly what they did. You definitely saw no quit in the heels, and that's the kind of improvement that last year's team certainly did not have and what we honestly needed to see from these Tar Heels. So good on them for coming back from down for a 16-point deficit and really rallying behind you know, their squad and everybody just doing their part, You know, slowly chipping away the last two minutes of the game, were certainly a nail-biter. Leaky Black's clutch free throws to tie the game. And I tell you what, I don't know. Maybe I need to stop being such a pessimist. I was like, that boy ain't going to make them free throws. <laughs> I said, ain't no way in hell that man making them free throws. And that's okay. I made peace, right? I already knew it was going to be a blowout. So the fact that it was closed, two shots to tie the game, and our free throw percentages for the night was 56%. Yeah, I was like, nah, he ain't making them, period. That's just that's just not, not how it's going. But... Again, call me a lie because that's exactly what he did. He sure enough made them free throws only to have Matt Coleman III step back jumper just annihilate us in the end. 
it was a thing of beauty though. I ain't gonna front. RJ Davis did everything he could, but child, that was just that was just a shot that, you know, as a senior guard, you were gonna make that, right? Like that's that's the moments where you're like, you know what, I'm gonna remember that forever. And that's probably only the biggest tournament that they're gonna get to to win a title. So you know what? That was probably the biggest moment for them. All tea, all shade on that, right? <laughs> Coleman finished with twenty two points and was the tournament's most valuable player for the Longhorns. And again, great game. It opened your eyes and I think that when it's all said and done, proud of the heels, but I'm not a moral victory person. So I, I, you know, I, we can be proud and we can, uh, you know, keep pushing. But as a competitor, you're like an L is still an L in the win loss column. So how can we get better? Garrison finished with 18 points. There was 11% from three. Whew. Yeah. All right. 14 turnovers. Rebounds were led by Armando Baycott, who had some tough putbacks. He got fouled, but not making those free throws. Like everybody else on the team not making free throws. 56% from the free throw line is just unacceptable. It's not something that you can have and call yourselves like getting into the March Madness conversation. You ain't going to be a top four team. You can't make free throws. You ain't going to be a top four team 11% from three. Like that's just not happening. So I don't know if they got back on the bus from Asheville to Chapel Hill and they had like, you know, a midnight practice, but they need that. Free throws, the emphasis of free, like it's free money. You can't shy away from free money. You got to execute free money every single day, every night on the week, twice on Sunday. So that is something that I hope they take back with them. I know that Roy and the guys were certainly down on themselves. Can't hang on it too long because, who again, December 8th, we got Iowa. We got the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We cannot hang our hats on this loss. We got to grow from it and keep it pushing. But let's talk about some quick takeaways, right? Let's talk about overarching themes and what we felt about Texas. More importantly, what do we feel about our team next here on Locked on Tar Heels? Do you ever feel like you're always on? I mean, same. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes I just need to celebrate responsibly. That's when I reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. It doesn't matter what team or sport is playing, Coors Light from Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Locked on Tar Heels podcast is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. So make sure you download and subscribe. I appreciate it. All those reviews that you have been writing, they have been certainly helpful. And again, love to hear from you guys at Locked on Heels, at Candice D. Cooper on Twitter. It's a beautiful sight to see, okay? Now coming up tomorrow, we are going to talk Carolina football. Five key observations heading into Saturday's games. You know how we do on Fridays. It's always about getting prepped, which I cannot believe we only have two more games left. But hey, we are going to make the best out of it, right? Then we've got a preview ACC Big Ten Challenge. We're going to talk a little bit about Iowa and who they are and how we are going to survive. (laughs) little bit nervous hopefully we have our turnover bug out of our system but hey who knows we have a young group let's get into that young group right let's talk about how texas was a very aggressive team they were coming out the gates feeling like they were going to do something to us and they did okay that first half run where they put up at least 15 16 points i was just like okay 
This is the Carolina team that, all right, I knew we were going to get punched in the mouth, but how are we going to respond? I knew Texas was going to be the team that was going to play aggressively. They were going to pick your pocket and capitalize off of that. And, and you know, I found at times that Carolina just didn't dial in, like fight back a little bit. Like, go ahead. You try, you try to steal the ball, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you try and, you know, pick their pockets and not turn it over, lead to a good assist and an alley-oop. You try and, you know, like, get aggressive in the paint. And there were times, there were flashes. I saw Dayron Sharp give me some real aggressive putbacks in that paint. And I was like, okay, grown man strength. We got it. Let's do it consistently, right? Okay, cool. Got it, got it. Now, this was the first time that Texas had played in the championship game of the Maui Invitational. So they had a lot to play for. They have previously finished third. And so they were feeling themselves, of course, and they knew going in what the stats are. They returned 100% of their scores from last season, which is unheard of really in college basketball these days. And they had held their first three opponents an average of 58 points per game. Okay, so Carolina's above the average. Let's go Heels. They knew that they were going to have to play a great offensive game, which they still struggled offensively. Let's let's not get it twisted. There was only 41% of their field goals made. That's not acceptable. Mind you, it was even. Texas only had 42%, but it was just ugly. Uh, Texas had 40% from three, while Carolina had 11% from three. That's just... Oh boy, makes for a long night. Texas has 71% of their free throws made, while Carolina only had 56%. Again, you're gonna make you if you're going to the line, which Carolina did often, you're going to have to make your free throws. Now, rebound sense, where we all talked about last year how they could not get a rebound to save their life. Pleasantly surprised to see Carolina get 50 rebounds as to Texas's 32. But the turnovers were about even but ugly still on both sides. 14 turnovers for the Tar Heels, only 11 for Texas. Honestly, the team who usually turns the ball over less wins the game. That's just how it goes. That's pretty black and white hardcore analysis for you there. (laughs) But I just think that overall, Carolina showed up. They started out rough. But they didn't let it get away from them, which is something you can always be pleased about. Now, Roy, certainly as the head coach, certainly as seeing some dominant basketball and some great basketball players and play in his day, had some words, right? But I still think that he saw some positives. But overall, he's on the of mind to say you got to stop treating these kids like freshmen because you can't keep making excuses for them or else they'll never learn and grow. I'm all about that, right? I'm all about loving on them, which he does. But you got to say, like, hey, you put on this uniform, you have all this energy, you be a Tar Heel, it's time. Like, we trust you to go out and deliver, and that's what he's expecting, and so that's what he wants. So let's take a listen to his overall thoughts on the Texas loss. Guys, it was the uh, first half. Uh, I think their attention to detail and their sense of urgency was much better than ours. We turned the ball over way too many times. Yes, we have freshman guards, but at some point in your life, you got to stop turning the ball over. And so we need to do a better job of that. We dug ourselves a big hole, uh, not making free throws and turning the ball over in the first half. And then second half, I think we only had four turnovers, but uh, we still missed three free throws in the last two minutes. And you, at the end of the game, you got to make free throws and not turn it over. And that's uh, the two biggest problems that we had today. But uh, uh, Texas... Uh, they play exceptionally hard. They're very experienced. Uh, uh, said somebody told me they have 100% of their scoring and rebounding back from last year, and they added Greg Brown to it. And uh, I knew Greg would make a 
three today because he had missed his first 10. So I knew he would, we would cure his problem there. And so he did make one, but uh, uh, we just got to play better and can't get behind a big, a good team like we did today. So for me, again, the overarching takeaway is the fact that Carolina is now three and eight against Texas. The Longhorns are the only team, uh, only one of 10 teams that have played UNC multiple times and have a winning record against the Tar Heels. You know, I try and be positive, try to have some positive takeaways in that, but there's none. I don't know what it is about Texas, but I'm tired of playing them early on and dropping us down in the ranks. I don't know, though, because Duke lost this week. Kentucky has lost. So it's just one of those things, right, where Gonzaga almost lost yesterday if West Virginia done their job. But, you know, it's another story for another day. I do think, though, rankings don't mean anything. However, well, I'll say this. I hope that the young boys feel like, okay, we lost but we're still in the top conversation because everyone's losing. So we shouldn't hold ourselves too low about it. But at the same time, losses are still losses and we want to get better knowing that we have to play a great team in Iowa coming up, knowing that despite not having that Elon game, which was supposed to be on December 12th canceled, we have now Iowa and then Ohio state, right? So there's a nice good little week and a half gap for them to rest up and get better. But We've got to make sure that we get healthy Garrison Brooks going down throughout the game, twisting his ankle a couple times. We have to stay healthy. We have to stay consistent because, again, we're going to need that senior leadership. We're going to need the Andrew Playtex of the world to make some damn threes. We're going to need Caleb Love and RJ Davis to get a better handle on the ball and facilitate you know, the offense, right? We're going to need people to feed Dayron and Armando. We're going to need that. So get out your head and let's get it going and let's get prepped for a big matchup coming down the stretch. So there's that. That is my Carolina basketball news for you for today. I've got to jump into some football conversations, and let's do all that next here on Locked on Tar Heels. Final thoughts of the day, Priceless Gym segment, as we always love to share the big things. We've got Carolina facing Western Carolina on December 5th, their lone non-conference game. This was added to Western Carolina's fall schedule in late September. The third all-time meeting between the Catamounts and Tar Heels was originally slated to be played under the Friday Night Lights on Friday, December 11th, but was advanced to December 5th in mid-November due to scheduling changes throughout the ACC, as we know Carolina will face Miami on December 12th instead. North Carolina has won both previous meetings on the gridiron coming in consecutive seasons in 2017 and 2018. Both played at home for us. Now, we are hoping to see guys kind of get off, shake off the Notre Dame loss, get excited maybe about the fact that they moved up two spots in the college football playoff rankings. Who knows? I mean, they're sitting at number 17. Their plea bar is talking about how they have it. But Mac Brown was not too pleased with how the heels were coming into the week. And so let's listen to how he has broken down practice so far. And more importantly, the positive thoughts that he's had for some of these seniors. Just a few thoughts. Uh, practice has been okay this week. It hasn't been great. I've been disappointed. I thought at uh, this point we would come out and have a great practice. And, and this time last year against Mercer's when we really finished strong, we got better in that game. Uh, we, we then beat State and then beat Temple and ended up on a real high. And uh, we've been very inconsistent this week. So I'm, um, I'm not happy with uh, the response, uh, especially after the way we finished the Notre Dame game. We should have been really excited about getting back to work and, and getting better. So we've, got, uh, we've, we've still got to mature and grow up some. 
Um, proud of the 17th ranking right now. I thought it was uh, obvious to the uh, college football playoff committee that uh, we, we played well enough at times to uh, to hang in there and uh, possibly even beat a, a number two team in the country. So proud of them. Uh, those polls are, are more important than any of the other polls. In fact, I think the only reason we have the others right now is for, for publicity and media because there's not resumes with those. By the time you get to this point in the year, people know who's played well and, and who hasn't. So, uh, But but uh, they obviously recognize some uh, effort that we, we had. Um, we've got uh, a senior day, so I'm going to tell you every senior that's going to senior day today and those that aren't. I know you all get excited about names, uh, so we can, we can give these to you. Um, Michael Carter, um, Austin Chestnut, they will all go through senior day on, on Saturday. Um, Austin Chrisman, Trevor Collins, Matthew Flint, uh, Tamon Fox, Zach Gill, Cooper Graham, Mason Lawrence, Daz Newsom, Tibetu Wakeji, Patrice Renee, Jace Reuter, Noah Ruggles, Chaz Surratt, and Garrett Walston. And, you know, I think that at the end of the day, guys are still trying to figure out how to bounce back from losses because if you think about it, teams like Clemson, who lost to Notre Dame, bounce back and dominate their next opponent. And that's what I'm hoping that they do against Western Carolina. I'm hoping that they're not writing off Western Carolina just because it probably will be, you know, an easier matchup. But you have to keep the same mentality of being a high-performing high level team because that's how you create the habits for when you do face the Clemsons and the Notre Dames and the Miamis of the world. It comes easy to you and you don't trick off like the Florida States and Virginia losses, right? I think that Carolina is right there. They're so close and it just hurts me to hear that maybe he's maybe he's lying. <laughs> maybe Mac is just sitting here telling us this or maybe he knows that the guys will listen later and or no, you know what? Let me not tell that lie. He probably is digging in their tail. Well he probably is digging in their tail saying, you know what? You guys are not responding to how true leaders respond in order to be great teams. And that's, I mean, that's true, right? We all know in full well that guys who want to be champions have to be consistent despite the fact, I mean, now I think because of the way the college football playoffs is set up and you feel like you cannot lose one game or if you lose one, you're not in the top four. I mean, I'm talking like overarching national type you know, squads, right? So you feel like if you lose one or two, then you're not in the top conversation. But I'm like, yes, you lost to a number two team. Shake it off. I feel like you should be more down and out about yourself about losing to people like Florida State and Virginia. Like, that's what you should be devastated over. So if anything, you can say like, hey, we hung in tough, but we're not quite there. But hey, in order to get there, we have to do X, Y, Z. You lost, you lost by two touchdowns. Like, shake it off and let's go. You didn't get blown out. You didn't get dominant. Like, fix your ego and come on. Let's get back on the saddle here. <laughs> we got things to do. And so I hope that they don't take this game lightly as I felt like they did for Virginia and Florida State. I hope that they just come out really ready to perform and, you know, give their seniors a good day. Send them off right. You know, these guys have been up, been put up with a lot. 
you know, with Chad Surratt changing his whole position, God knows, thank God he stopped being a quarterback. Thank God he now can read quarterbacks and dominate on the defensive side of the ball. Michael Carter, he's done nothing but try and pour into this university, both on and off the field, helping his teammates, you know, do it for those guys, right? I hope that that's for you what you're able to kind of perform on Saturday. So there's that. We'll talk about five key observations as we always do. What we want to see from the Tar Heels as they clean up some of the mistakes they made against the Notre Dame game. What can they do to ensure that we're feeling confident and hey, the college football committee is still looking at strength. They're still looking at how you guys respond despite the fact that it's a Western Carolina. I still want to see you guys go out and play with heart. So do that. Period. Okay. (sighs) That's my spiel for the day. I'm done with it. I'm going to go enjoy my Thursday. I hope you do the same. I hope you're smart and you stay safe out there. It's a little chilly here in North Carolina, so make sure you grab a coat. You grab that and a coat coat, not a hoodie, a coat coat, right? You wear your mask and you stay safe, all of that good stuff. Make sure you guys have a great day. Sincerely, as always, go Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.